0: Welcome to the 42nd edition of the Traveling to Radio Show. I'm your host, Friedel. Today's show is a little bit of a special edition. It's an interview with a good friend who's heading off to Cycle Africa. Thanks very much for joining us on today's podcast. It's been almost exactly two years now since Andrew and I moved to Holland. And one of the things that we love about living here is the cycling culture. It seems like every day when we're on our way to work or just cycling around town, we see something that makes us smile or laugh or something interesting that we hadn't seen before. And part of that cycling culture is a fantastic community of touring cyclists. I think if we wanted to, we could probably go cycling and camping every weekend with someone different and listen to their stories about traveling all over the world by bicycle. And one of the first people we met when we moved here was someone called Shane Little. Shane has since become a very good friend, and now he's going to head off to Africa on his bicycle. It's going to be a long trip, maybe about two years, depending on how the money holds out and what Shane discovers along the way. And that means we're not going to be seeing him for a very long time. We're going to miss him, but of course we're really excited to see how he gets on with his new adventure. With Shane due to hit the road in just a few days, we thought it was high time that we took him to a pub, bought him a beer, and asked him to tell his story. And this interview is the result. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah.
1: So we're sitting here in a pub in The Hague and I'm here with Shane Little who's grown into a good friend over the past couple of years since Andrew and I moved to Holland and now, like all good friends, he's going to run off and leave us. He's jumping on his bicycle and heading off to parts unknown so Shane, why don't you tell us a bit about your trip? Uh,
2: In two weeks' time uh, I'll be leaving my girlfriend, my house, my job, flying uh, to Cape Town with a one-way ticket and I'm going to start cycling home again. Unfortunately, I've no idea where home is, so it may take me a while to get there.
1: Now yeah, I think you're being a little bit modest there. You do have some kind of route plan. You've revealed it to us in the past. Why don't you give us give us the rough outline of what you're hoping to do in the next year or two years? Um,
2: I'm just going to start in Cape Town. I'm going to uh, head east through South Africa, uh, pop into Lesotho, hopefully cycle back towards the west coast of South Africa, head into Namibia, Botswana, and then gradually work my way north. Uh, maybe to Mozambique. Uh, probably uh, Zambia, Burundi, Rwanda, take a left into Congo if that's possible. That's yeah. about the most exciting part of the trip. Then after that, I'm just going to head up to the west coast of Africa, hopefully, uh, keep the water on the left and the sun on the right, and uh, eventually I'll find Europe again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, I happen to know that you're, you're a relatively normal guy. You know, you've know, you got a job, as you said, you've got a house and a girlfriend. What would possess you to throw all that away and take off on such a big journey?
2: Uh, I've always had itchy feet, really, and i just managed to kind of... Uh, Suppressed after the last 10 years, and finally, it's got the monster's bursting out of me. I just need to go now. And, uh, yeah, I've I've been building off this two or three years now, uh, so all the small cycle trips I've done, and I keep promising myself after every trip, oh, this is the last one, I've had enough now. Uh, I don't really like this cycle thing anymore. After the last two or three days before I go home, I'm like, okay, I've had enough now, I need to go home, I need to go home. Uh, I need to be in my my own bedroom, my own bed, my own nice, clean bathroom. And then I get back to work, and within the day it's just like, I need to get out of here.
1: (laughs) So how long have you been plotting this great escape for?
2: Uh, since about a week after I got back from my last big trip in 2009. Unfortunately, I just had two months unpaid leave and spent all my savings, so I had to wait for a while, but that's, that's when the... Uh the seeds are really sown, and from then I've kind of just been building up to this trip, saving, planning, steaming.
1: And at what point did you decide the trip was going to be in Africa? Was that immediately when you came was, back, or did that grow slowly? That was
2: pretty much straight away. It was like, uh, I've, I've travelled most of the countries I've already wanted to through backpacking. It's like, where, where haven't I been, in uh, out of the countries that I haven't been to, where would I like to go, and what would I want to do? And basically, the Africa's the only continent I was still scared of at that point. I thought, well, you know, that's the continent I cycling then. <laughs>
1: Are you still scared? <laughs>
2: no, I don't two know. weeks
1: before departure. How, how are you uh, feeling?
2: <laughs> I'm not. I'm not scared of the continent Africa, but uh, you know, it's, it's, you get a little bit board trip, and I'm running around. I chicken this chicken moment trying to get everything organised. But I've read so many blogs now and uh, I've gathered so much information. I'm really not scared about Africa at all. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's, just, it's a beautiful continent. And I did a proof it's uh, kind of a test ride in January as well. I Went to Uganda for a month, of course. And, I can fly cheap with my work, so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a month off. I'll go and cycle somewhere in Africa. This sort of Af- Africa lights is what they call Uganda quite often. So I thought I'd give that a go, and uh, that I really enjoyed that. Very hard work, but uh, very rewarding.
1: You're in kind of a what? unique position in that you you had an idea two years ago to go on this trip, yeah, and you've actually done what a lot of people never do, and that you followed through to the end, and you're just about now to get yeah. on your plane, yeah. So what can you tell us about that planning process? How how did you work your way through those two years? And Because it's quite a long stretch of time to stay committed to something. And it's, and, too and what, it's, too it's too long. It's too long.
2: No, I started off with uh, the first uh, kind of six months. Is just, it was my idea in my own head. And, yeah, one day I, I knew, I've always wanted to do a big trip on uh, yeah, the, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do this. Waking up in the cold sweats, do I really want to do this? <laughs> do I really want to leave a girlfriend? Do I really want to uh, sacrifice this life I've built up in the last ten years in the Netherlands? Yeah. And uh, you get a lot of doubt, a lot of doubts and a lot of worries, and uh, I kind of worked through that a little bit, and uh, sort of confronted my girlfriend with the, same, with the same story. And I'm thinking about this. What do you, what do you think about this? <laughs> and uh, she was remarkably relaxed about it. Uh, thank God.
1: Why, why do you think that is? I mean, there must be a lot of people in relationships where, if they said to their other half, "Actually, I'm going to leave you and head off to Africa on my bike," that would. Be a pretty big fight, I would think. But well,
2: uh, she didn't exactly say uh, go for it. She said, kind of said, uh, well, I, I can't stop you anyway. And, uh, and if I uh, if I'm difficult about it, I'm just going to push you away, and it's going to cause even more problems. But she said, uh, I'm not going to stop you, and but uh, I'm not also not going to wait for you. It's your decision. <laughs> the balls in your court. Which is fair enough. <laughs> Which is quite fair enough, yeah. <laughs> We know we started the relationship uh, about four years ago, four and a half years ago, and we both lived on the rebound back then. We both we kind of said, "Well, you know, uh, we, we like we like each other. Let's just go for the relationship, and as long as it works out okay, we'll we'll stick with it. And if one of us gets a better idea, then we'll uh, we'll, we'll go with that. And I was the first one with a better idea, basically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you, during this whole planning process, then, you, you came up with your idea, you started saving money, you ditched your girlfriend somewhere about halfway through?
2: No, I, we were still together uh, okay. until uh, two weeks' time when we officially uh, split up when I, when I get on the airplane, basically. Yeah. We've still got a really nice relationship. The irony is uh, our uh, almost four-and-a-half-year relationship, I'd say the first year was the best and the last year was the best, mm. and the bit in the middle was like that's like a normal relationship.
1: <laughs> Up and down.
2: <laughs> Up and down, a bit boring, both of your own stuff. But because uh, we both know that there's an end date to the relationship, we both spend the last year doing our best, but like you do in the first year in a relationship... Just doing a little bit more efforts and uh, trying to be nice more often and uh, trying not to be miserable when you're tired, that sort of stuff. And we've had a really good last year now. It's kind of like, it makes it even harder to, to leave now. But uh,
1: but you haven't convinced her to come cycling with you?
2: She's, uh, I told her four years ago when I got there, you, you need to start enjoying cycling if we are going to stick together. <laughs> she just tried her best and it just doesn't work. we tried getting a tandem, we've tried cycling together, but it's just not her thing and we've just got to respect that we've had a great four years together now we're both going to go our own way again and we'll see what happens in the future
1: so you covered all those big things what about the stuff that a lot of people like to hear about the gear Gear. Uh, tell us what you've collected over the last year or so Uh, Because Africa could be considered quite a challenging destination that maybe requires some specialised equipment. It's not a jaunt around Europe, you
2: know. No, but I think most cyclists take too much crap with them anyway, and they take far far too many spare parts and far too many tools. So I've kind of worked in theory. Everything I've taken to America will do me for Africa as well with a few extra tyres. Because uh, ultimately there's no problem that can't be fixed on the way. You can always usually buy something local. If you can't, you can get it sent to, you can hang around for a few days. There's very few things that stop you. You can always hitchhike. I did that in America as well when my uh, bottom bracket died on me. At the end of the day, there's always a solution. Mind. as long as you've got all the time in the world and a bit of patience anything be, any problem can be fixed really
1: Are you kind of going on the uh, on the theory of I can just fix it on the road deal with it as it comes Yeah I, Until then don't yeah. worry about it
2: And of course I've, I've cheated a little bit because I've spent far too much money on a custom built bike and a Roll-off speed hub and I've got the Sun Dynamo and uh, all the gear you're supposed to have which is Totally overrated and very expensive, but I've got it now anyway, so I'm <laughs> going to stick with it. I'm hardly going to leave it somewhere. But uh...
1: and your pa- your pennies aren't exactly empty either. Let's let's be honest here. You have no, filled them with a few things. No, so I've
2: spent years uh, making my gear lightweight. I've got a really nice lightweight tent Sorry. and a ultra lightweight sleeping bag, and most of the most of the gear I've got has got to ultra at the front of it. And then uh, I've created a lot of extra space in my bags now. And uh, what I'm doing with that space is chucking a very heavy laptop in there so I can keep my blog up to date. And uh, <laughs> And I'm taking a 65 litre backpack and walking poles with me, so I'm going to do some hiking in South Africa as well.
1: That's ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Where's the backpack going on the bicycle?
2: Yeah, I'm just going to put that on the top of my panniers, where most people put those. Uh, what's called those sausage bags or canoe bags, because you don't have, you only have four panniers anyway. I don't have a handlebar bag, so I usually travel quite light. So I'm now kind of travelling with just about as crap as everybody else does. <laughs>
1: And have you weighed it all up, or you no, want to live I in no, ignorance? I,
2: I, am, uh, I might weigh before I go around. I think I'll stick with the ignorant uh, approach to it. I, I save wage where I can, where I can't. I, uh, I always make kind of a compromise between sort of weight and comfort and price.
1: How do you think you'll feel when you step off that plane in South Africa in a couple of weeks' time? Probably
2: tired. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I find the, the getting off the airplane and waiting on that bar, that, that carriage, baggage carousels probably the most stressful part of any cycling trip. Just waiting to see if your baggage has arrived, if your bikes bikes arrived, and if it's in one piece as well. When I went to Uganda, I had to waited about four days in the end for my bike, and when I finally turned up, there was a dent in the frame as well. So I always find that kind of like the most stressful part of any trip, really.
1: But you got some compensation from KLM in the end.
2: Yeah, I thought uh, uh, they've lost it, uh, they've damaged it, because i packed it in really well. Uh,
1: you packed it in a box, yeah. not in one of those fancy
2: yeah. CTC bags. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> one, I, I, go, I'm, I mean, there's an endless argument, and I don't think anybody will uh, be right in the end, but I go for the box, because mm. uh, I work at the airport. I see uh, what kind of monkeys um, work on the baggage and how they treat it, so I want to give my bag as much protection as possible. So, and, and despite all that, they still managed to damage it. So, uh, I just sent them a nice uh, email uh, through their contact page and expense situation. I had to wait four days. Delayed my. Tr- uh, I was only there for a month, so already delayed my trip by four days. just my route. I had extra accommodation and costs in those four days. And my whole story. And uh, yeah, it's custom-built bike. It's, it's, only, it's only three months old when the, when the damage happens. All I've told them the whole story. And uh, they very foolishly uh, sent me an email saying, "Now we'll, we'll pay for your compensation." Uh, for, for the damage and the compensation for the extra costs. But I hadn't actually uh, mentioned any prices. <laughs> so I got this email confirming that we were going to cover everything. And then two days later I got the phone call. Yeah, uh, we, we, we sent you an email. Yeah, yeah, what are the costs actually? Well, <laughs> have a seat. I didn't kick the arse out of it. I mean, I just took, took me $10 a night for the uh, for the backpackers in Entebbe and... Uh, and, you know, how, how do you classify the damage on a bike claim on that? You can't repair it. Uh, it's a custom-built frame, and uh, the frame is still usable. But, you know, it's just, so I said, well, we'll just make it 200 Euros, uh, a €200 depreci- depreciation of value, and uh, they were happy with that. So and In the end, I got €270. Euros. Yeah, that's all right. That's
1: yeah.
2: reasonable. Yeah, I think that's fair. For something
1: that didn't stop you from cycling too much, yeah, a few but, days delay. but Yeah,
2: I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's another reason not to... Uh, in. Uh, cover that sort of thing in your travel insurance
1: (laughs) (laughs) well hopefully you won't have the same experience in South Africa
2: hopefully I've used up my one bit of bad luck with the uh, airlines I'm a big believer in the big karma circle so (laughs) hopefully I've got
1: some credits now What do you think the most challenging thing will be to deal with in that first month as you get used to life on the road? I think everyone has something that they're a little bit apprehensive about or wondering how that's going to go.
2: Yeah, it usually takes you two, three weeks to acclimatise, is doesn't it? You need to get into it, get used to the country, get used to using the money, uh, working out how it works with campsites and wild camping and that sort of stuff. And I'm kind of... Uh expecting for sometime that first month or no. two months that the uh, the hammer's gonna fall like oh shit i don't have a job anymore i don't have a house anymore and uh, i've got i've got this uh, image of sitting there in my tent one night when and when kind of like everything just happens in one go all the doubts hit you and know all, all your worries and uh, you sit there by yourself crying in your tent night and then you get over and done with thinking all your life after that can't you yeah.
1: hmm. So that's the big worry Is it just the adjustment period?
2: Yeah, I think at some point in your trip You need to get used to the idea That it's it's an open-end trip It's not just a vacation anymore and uh, yeah, I'm kind of uh, kind of looking forward to reaching that point or I'm hoping that's a nice thing when it happens and that I don't think, oh shit.
1: Are you on quite a tight budget because it is a longer trip and not just a two-week vacation? Or Give us an idea of... I've
2: made a lot of compromises the last year, year and a half and I've been very careful about what gear I buy and uh, everything I buy I've been consciously thinking uh, will I take this with me to Africa? Uh, do I need this?
0: Uh,
1: and I've
2: managed to save what I plan to save so... I think I've got a slightly higher budget than the average backpacker because I think most people uh, think about $500-$600 a month for Africa. uh, I've got a little bit more than that, but I don't want to spend much more than that. I don't mind getting a guest house now and again to treat myself. I don't mind uh, getting the English breakfast and the pizza and the cold beer when you're at a tourist resort. And in between times, uh, I I like camping wild and uh, eating local food and cooking myself. So I think I've got a reasonable compromise. It's just, you know, there's visas, and it costing a lot of money, don't they? In the end, I'll be going through about 20 countries in Africa, and the first three I don't need to pay for, but after that, it's yeah, usually $1,800 per, per country, so that's $2,000 already just for your visas.
1: Have you got a reasonably fluid route? Because I know the other thing with Africa, just bureaucratically, is that the rules can change all the
2: time. That's part of the charm for me, actually, because uh, you can't plan it. So, uh, I don't want to follow a blog from somebody else. I don't want to follow a guidebook or anything. I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, I've got a fairly reasonable idea of my route for the first three months and after that I'll see what happens uh, there's no point in planning in Africa because it's constantly changing and uh, I could make a nice plan in all the countries I want to go through and it's uh, just impossible but by then I'd quite like to go to Angola for example which is such a nightmare to get a visa for that and such a hassle that I'll probably just skip it Congo is more interesting of course because that's kind of the bridge between uh, you know east and west uh, I hope I can get through that but that's, that's quite exciting as well because the UN's pulling out this year mm-hmm. so that, that could be a mess as well so I'm trying not to plan too much I've got a, a very vague idea of my route but that's more for other people really because people have no idea what I'm going to do I don't know. I'm just going to be like a bum in Africa and I'll see what happens <laughs> but, you know and you can't tell that to your mum you're supposed to have a nice a, a route that you're allegedly following
1: <laughs> <laughs> what have you told your mum?
2: Uh, then I'm going to be a in Africa two years.
1: She must be a pretty understanding lady.
2: Well, <laughs> she's kind of used to my uh, crazy antics, but she's not too happy about this. And The, the funny thing is she's more uh, upset or worried the fact that I've given up my job than I am actually good at travelling Africa. You know, my parents have never had much money. In their...
1: Is she worried you're going to move back in?
2: <laughs> my dad is, but my mum <laughs> 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 can only hope or something like that. <laughs>
1: Have your family generally taken it fairly well, though? Because it is the kind of destination where some people will, will look at the stereotypes and, yeah. and the fears that, you know, we all see on the evening news kind of thing. My parents
2: quite used to it. You know, I used to be in the army. I went to Bosnia three times. I went to Northern Ireland when it wasn't so pretty. Uh, when it's your time, it's your time, basically. So my, my parents kind of used to my philosophy in life, and uh, they just let me get on with it, really, luckily.
1: It's interesting as well to look at it kind of from the outside. And, of course, I've never been to Africa, so I only have the, the outside view. But when you talk to people who haven't been there, it's all gloom and doom. And it yeah. must be a very scary place and dangerous and, and all the rest of it. And when you talk to the cyclists who have actually been there... Uh, so the one complaint I do hear is that people I sometimes say, pick up um, malaria, yeah. um, which could also be a risk in other regions, but yeah. that seems to be, a, let's say, a reasonably high risk in yeah, the that's, that's scheme of things. But yeah. otherwise, I don't hear a lot of complaints about Africa. Have you, what have you picked up on on your research?
2: I think it's the same story here everywhere you go, isn't it? Uh, the next village you go to is scary, the people are weird there, and, uh, and the next country is, oh, you don't want to go there, it's dodgy. You've heard it yourself throughout your whole trip. Everywhere you go, you hear that. But I think a lot of people are kind of brainwashed by the media, aren't they? They've got this ideas. oh, it's all so scary in Africa and it's so scary over there. But, you know, uh, that sells newspapers. People don't want to hear that everything's nice and quiet and calm. Uh, nobody wants to hear about Mrs. Blob's getting ca- cat getting rescued out of the tree because that just doesn't sell newspapers. People want to hear about doom and gloom. And my colleagues start talking about it. Oh, you go, in Africa, oh, it's so dangerous. I said, well, you know, I could have just been camping for a week on an island in Norway in summer and that wouldn't have been very nice either. Or go and play, at, uh, what's it called? grand theft auto 4d in london for a weekend or something yeah. i mean if even london's got riots in, in, in the 21st century uh, what, what are you talking about yeah. i just don't worry about it too much you've got to get on with it
1: one of the things you might have to deal with is loneliness because you're doing it yeah. on your own do you think you'll cope all right with that i
2: had a kind of uh, glimpse into that while i was in america i spent a lot of time alone there and uh yeah it does hit you from time to time it does get very lonely and worrying about kind of uh, i'm getting better at it <laughs> I'm I'm a natural loner anyway, but uh, for me, the ideal scenario would be to uh, cycle by my own uh, all day, or maybe for one or two days, but then meet somebody in the the bar in the evening or something. But uh, yeah, that's kind of a choice to make, isn't it? It's my choice to travel alone. I want to travel alone. I couldn't imagine traveling in a group that's like hell on earth for me. I haven't found a super partner, which I wouldn't like to travel with. So, um, yeah, I want to travel alone, and generally I enjoy it. What do
1: you do when you're on your own? You know those long days where you've got, let's say, a relatively monotonous landscape or maybe not too many towns? I mean, we sing stupid songs and make up ridiculous games in our head. What do you do to entertain yourself?
2: Well, luckily they they, they invented the iPod a few years ago. That helps.
1: (laughs) Aha, you're an iPod cyclist.
2: (laughs) And uh, I kind of keep that in reserve. I, uh, I don't generally listen to it through the day. I keep that in reserve when I'm having a bad day or a bad head this stuff but I'm a, I'm a thinker I'm always thinking about things I'm, I'm seeing things I'm plotting and scheming and calculating my distances and
1: I was
2: looking at animals and uh, counting stripes on the road and all the other <laughs> crazy stuff you do when you're you know, by yourself
1: all the small things become infinitely more amusing yeah. don't they when you're out there yeah.
2: in the yeah. middle of yeah. nowhere you uh, start counting how many of those grasshoppers you squash and all, <laughs> all <of> the stuff <laughs> And I used to sort of plan about what you're going to do when you get back home and uh, redecorate the house, but I can't do that anymore because I don't have a house. <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: going to build yourself a tiny house? or? Yeah,
2: I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of those recently on uh, the internet, having all these tiny houses. and uh...
1: We should explain what they are for people who oh, yeah, you aren't you should, familiar yeah, with them. What are they, about 30 metres squared or something about 30, like About
2: 25, 30, 30 square metres, yeah. Um, a lot of people, The new it's kind of a new phase, especially in America, where people are downsizing, aren't they? Kind of like a caravan, but luxury, luxury caravan, a luxury uh, trailer.
1: And who's the latest couple that's done it in the state? To
2: cycle together, they're called. They've been, they've done really smart. They've kind of uh, yeah. sold everything before the trip. They've uh, built a mini house uh, before the trip started. So that's waiting there for when they get home. So while the way they've got no costs, and when they get home, they've got it home. and it's cheap as well once they get the back home. It's pretty smart, really.
1: On the other hand, you have nowhere to come back to, but in a way, that's hugely freeing, perhaps, because you have complete me to do whatever yeah. you want, go wherever you
2: want I, I tell everybody uh, I'm cycling home and uh, very uh, most people assume that I'm going to come back to living where I live now but uh, for me uh, I'm just cycling home and I hope some at some point during the trip I'll either get enlightened to where home should be or I'll find somewhere that that's going to be home and I've got this kind of naive dream that somewhere during the trip I'm going to ride around a corner or into a valley somewhere where I think wow this is where I want to spend the rest of my life But I think, not just a dream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. You don't know until you try,
2: I'm open for it. It's totally Uh, open-ended. My only restriction is finance, basically. Uh, Eventually, that stops.
1: Are you thinking now about two years, give or take? I've got the finance
2: about a year and after two years. And if nothing... Because that just happens along the way. I might be able to stretch it slightly longer. But for my work, I I should really be back between 18 to two years to to keep my... um, certificate's valid for my work but.
1: you can fix some airplanes somewhere in Africa yeah can't maybe
2: <laughs> but you know that shouldn't be worrying that's that's the kind of things you worry about right now before a trip isn't it uh, Yeah, I need to be back within 18 months to keep that valid yeah. but once you're on the trip you're like ah stupid
1: live this, in the moment do you think this trip will change you at all or will you come of back course, as the same old guy of that course
2: uh, any trip you do uh, changes you
1: how do you think it will change you or is that just too hard to predict at this point in time
2: I've no idea I mean I'm a uh, no. As I get older, I'm gradually becoming more and more hippie, which is something kind of people have always hated. So, <laughs> you know, I'm gradually getting more and more opinionated about uh, what we're doing to the world. And uh, unfortunately, I suspect I'm going to go more and more that way with time, especially in Africa. But, you know, you can't you can't anticipate that kind of thing. It's such a, especially a year and a half, two years to Africa. That's just uh, it's so hard going that it has to change you. Even three months in America changed me. So.
1: And if people want to follow along, like all good modern cyclists, you have a blog, so give us the web address.
2: Of course. com forward slash Africa. I'm kind of hoping to get a little bit of the personal story in there just to, just to make a little bit of Such difference. It's all about the miles and the suffering and the, the, the good the good and the bad. There's also, especially travelling alone, there's just so much happens emotionally with you during a trip like that.
1: Have a wonderful trip. Good <laughs> luck. And I hope we see you back here in a couple of years, safe and sound.
2: Who knows?
0: Good luck, Shane. We're going to miss you, but we're really excited that you're heading off on the adventure of a lifetime. Well, that's it for this podcast. Don't forget, if you have any questions about bike touring or any comments on the show, you can always drop us a line. Our email is us at traveling2.com.